Happy August, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Excalibros. Hey. <laughs> okay. It's my August. That was my August hey. Oh, it was a very sp- specific hey tailored to the August uh, weather and audience. Yes, it's the, it's the only time you'll ever hear it. It's August. <laughs> Is that... <laughs> are we going to... In one of the uh, Excalibur issues, are we going to hear someone... Like in text, say that way because uh, Claremont obviously knows exactly how everyone in England talks. I wouldn't put it past him to uh, put it in every panel um, for an issue. Just constant. Just like struths and haze all over the place. Yeah, constant Englishisms. Everyone. I assume that's the word he uses when he explains it to other people. <laughs> <laughs> Englishisms. I don't know. We got we got some Englishisms, some Britishisms, some some words. I just made up some stuff. Um, yeah, but uh, welcome everyone who's listening. We got another regular episode uh, coming today. We're going to be covering Excalibur eighteen, Generation X number seven, and Exiles number nineteen. Uh, probably not exactly in that order, but um, we have this is might be. Uh, this might be an interesting discussion, Dan, because we've got two two books here with, with fill-in artists, and they're not even re- remotely trying to maintain the same style. Uh, so it's going to be, you know, we're just, just to, to spoil everyone from the beginning, this Excalibur issue is, is rough. This is not a fun issue. <laughs> it is rough, for sure. Um, but should we, should we start with Exiles? Um is that, I think we usually start Excalibur, not Exiles, but we can do Exiles first. Let me, let's let's, let's thought, switch it up. I thought if um, I'm saying, if I'm recapping two, yeah. it can be sandwiched. Spread it out. Rather than just constant my voice. Spread um, it out and spread it on. Let's do it. Right, so on an actual random note, you know I've been reading from these Ultimate Exiles collections. Mm-hmm. This is the last issue of the very first Ultimate Exile collection. Is it really? Yeah, so issue number 19 finishes this collection. So is we that... have recorded for uh, 20 episodes. Oh, right. Is that is it just one collection? Oh, I've got... It's up to six. The six collections, it collects all one to 100. So... But it this one only has one to 19 in it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it is the first collection there. Cool. All yeah, right. yeah. And so... Our um, cover... <laughs> is of the team um, with Sasquatch in her human form, which I think we've only ever seen once, maybe? Yeah. If you're, uh, for, for me, for a second, it's like, who's that? Oh, yeah, that's Sasquatch. We've only seen her in her human form once before, and I think she was in a bikini, so... Uh, because for some reason, all the women, except for Blink, just wear bikinis in this issue. Like, everyone we see is just, like, barely covering the nipples, and that's all they need to worry about. Pretty much, they're behind the lens. I imagine there's a lens of a camera. It's supposed to be uh, Mojo specific, so it's like uh, Mimic and his harem um, are the front cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not. Really, I'm really, to be honest. I am not really that fussed about this front cover at all. It's just there. It exists, and therefore it has to be mentioned. Yeah, it's like, just like let's have all the perky boobs uh, in tight outfits, and people just blankly staring at you. And I don't. <laughs> Look at their faces. They have no expression on their faces. They're just like staring blankly at us. Yeah. <laughs> like dolls. Yeah. Like empty oh. dolls. I mean, look at Mimic. He's just like, eh, whatever. I'm here, I guess. Yeah. I feel like there's something wrong with Sunfire's neck. But anyway. Um, oh, God. This issue, yeah. This issue is written by Judd Rinnick. Uh, it's Mike McCone on pencils. Um, I think, uh, I think it's Mark McKenna, because I think so. It's hard to tell with this book, because it tells me about 100 inkers. The in inker here inside but... says John Holdridge. Oh, yes, that actually makes more sense, because he is a dark inker. Yeah, that makes more sense. Um, Transparency Digital is still the um, colorist, and Paul Tatrone is the letterer. Um, so, we pick up where part one left off, with uh, Morph the star of every show on the planet, Mojo. 
um, beaming directly into all of Mojo Citizen's eyes. We have him on a talk show talking to a woman who is about to be in uh, Mojo's version of Planet of the Apes. Then we jumped, and then there's oh yes, the beginning of the running joke where a midget every time someone says makeup, a mid a midget with a giant um, powder puff thing for your nose just smashes people in the face with it. Um, so from the talk show, we go to the hillbilly sketch, which is just I am as apathetic to what's happening as mimic mimic Morph oh. himself. The, the first half of this issue, the humor falls flat on every panel. There's nothing <laughs> like this first, like, oh, it's the Morph show is the most unfunny show I've seen in a long time. I feel like it's, I generally feel like it's purposeful because it does seem like Morph is over it as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and then we find out that uh, Mojo is also into porn and um, wants you to buy Morph Gone Wild. Which is the thing I want to see, to be fair. Um, so we have a lot of like pictures of Morph going wild in different scenarios, showering, uh, driving, spring break, and then he's just talking at the end. And uh, we have a credits roll of every, everything everything that ever happened in the show is done by Mojo from production to production. The the, the Morph Gone Wild seems like the most Morph part of the show, like his sort of sense of humor. I could imagine like behind the scene production meetings, he's like, fine, I'll do your damn show. But this last five minutes, I want to do this, this little like gag. And, and that's what they acquiesce to. Exactly. Ooh, look at you using words. Um, hey, sometimes I, I know words. They don't always come out of my mouth right. But uh, that one came out just fine. Perfect. So we have many, many leg mojo. Um, I generally don't feel like McCone has decided how many legs to give him um, in his little chair. I also, um, you know, before we go too far, there's this panel of like the viewers who are also like like a blo- like Mojo, mojo Blobish kind of people, and that was the first I've ever I remember seeing any viewers that are like like him. Yeah, because I always thought they were just random aliens, not just Mojo people. Yeah, that was a surprise. But that happens. Um, so to quickly recap, the next series of events is uh, Morph and Mojo have a little chat. Morph's ha- uh, Mojo's super happy that Morph is bringing all the ratings, even though it's the only show that anyone's watching. Morph tried to escape uh, early in the morning, so he's put in like a, I'd say like a son, old school sauna box. Yeah. Um, and wheeled off. <laughs> then we cut to uh, Nocturne, who is still strapped up and being tortured. And but, she's the only reason Morph isn't really trying to escape is because she's yes. captured and being tortured unless he like cooperates. So he's doing his best because, you know, I don't remember how many issues ago they, they sort of started a friendship. And uh, I think this, she might be the, the one that he's closest to, especially we get to the end of this issue, which I think is a really you know, nice touching moment. But it's um, I, I really appreciate that they continue on that, that relationship from, I don't know, issue like eight or whatever. Yeah, it's, it is a nice reason to to, to have, um, but it's nice that the clearly it wasn't going to be more than a two part story because there's the age old oh you're a new guard guarding my cell and um, <laughs> uh, TJ somehow manages into manages to get him to unlock obviously using her I don't know blue eared charm um, she manages to game to unlock the power dampener which allows her to possess his body and free herself then the rest of our team where um blink has gone through a massive blow dry with her hair may I add like, oh yeah that is some insane i don't know where she's she got a lot of volume there's so much volume i mean long shot as so, well when we get to him but his like front part of his mullet is especially at the end of the issue is is out, out in- like a foot is this supposed to be our long shot, like the long shot from? It's really hard to determine which. You're... Anyway, well, well um, you know, just sort of going back to the last issue, we we uh, or last episode, we discovered that the mojo is like the nexus of all realities. So the one mojo we've seen is is the only mojo in all of the universes. So that stands the reason that um, 
the one long shot is also the only long shot as well. Yes, that makes sense. But anyway, we have um, the rest of the exiles uh, breaking long shot out of jail, but he is just broken. He's a broken man who doesn't want to um, go and help because he's just bored of losing all the time to Mojo. So even though Cal tried to be inspirational, he's just fed up as well and gets uh, Sasquatch to just drag him out. And then um, talking about these pages, well, you had mentioned earlier about the darker inking, and there is just dark shadows all over this issue. Yes, it is just. I I will get to the art later, not to crucify it. Oh but no 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 no! I don't want to crucify this artwork either, but it's it's very noticeable, especially in this page of of Cal trying to to persuade Longshot. It's just half their face covered in shadow. Yeah, it's, it's like insane. someone knocked over an ink bottle under the page. And tried their desperate, desperately hardest to make sure it didn't look like they did it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yes. So, Morph's prepping for the next show, but TJ, disguised, well, possessing the security guard, talks to him. They launch a jailbreak and manage to get so far until, until Mojo grabs them both by the head. And then explosion, long shot with his astonishing... Um, I don't even know what to call it. What Mushroom happened? hair? Yeah, what happened? Like, it wasn't... It wasn't, it wasn't this... Volum... Like, how did this expand exponentially to, to like, a... What is going on? I can't even explain it. Maybe because now Blinks isn't as voluminous. Maybe she... <laughs> Dells up? Um, he, like, siphoned off all the volume from her hair into his own. It, he is lucky, and it does make an impact. Um, so we have like our, the rest of the team and Longshot appear to save the day, but Morph turns into a kind of more monstrous version that we've ever really seen, like a spiky monster Morph. Uh, he still has a little bit of fun with like a spring for the lower half of his body and the thing hands, and some really like Doomsday esque knuckle dusters as he beats um, Mojo within an inch of his life and is about to decapitate him with his own. Um, Halberd, not Halberd, sword. Wrong sword, Saracen sword, there we go. Until the time broker appears. And essentially says, yeah, you can't kill him because that would just fuck up all reality. And don't worry, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he'll fuck up his own reality anyway. Um, None of you can really do anything. You've done enough already. Time to move on. What Mojo did was like a disease and I've only just noticed and therefore I'm the antibody which will stop it. And as they're all like, oh, digesting the information, we have this. The only decent, my favorite and only decent scene in the um, comic is between Morph, the usual jovial, hopeful one, and uh, TJ comforting him, and they just want to go home, and it's really sweet, and then it ends. Yeah, I mean, this is the ending I was I was hinting at earlier, but there's, like. He, she's the one that I think he feels he can be vulnerable around. They have some, you know, some kind of connection here, and and he has that that like nice heart to him. He's kind of kind of the heart of the the team uh, in in a way, and you know, around Nocturne, he's able to sort of let that out and, and sort of grieve and and move on. And it's just a really sweet couple of like I guess it's a page and a, and a, a third, but uh, it's really nice. It is, and to be honest, artistically, it is actually not too... Yeah, everyone's randomly in bikinis for no apparent reason. Yes. Um, apart from apart from TJ, who you could probably, like, because she was tortured, you could kind of understand. Um, mm. It does feel a bit rushed, because the, the first half's quite um, long in the tooth. Oh, yeah. They turn the uh, pacing up, like, halfway through, like, oh, wait, we only have 11 pages left. Let's uh, Let's wrap this up. And I kind of do like like the, the, the fight sequences and the panels between uh, when Nocturne and Morph are like running around and then Morph's beating up Mojo. I quite like most of these panels. Hair aside, um, most of the actual issue looks not too bad. I think some of the colour work um, is a bit bland, to be honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it's, 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 it's sort of leans towards the more dull side of digital yeah, colouring. Yeah. Um, it kind of leads into the worst tendencies of it, and the the inking is just 
too much in places. Like sometimes it looks fine, but everyone's like muscles are heavily inked to make them all look a bit more cut than they should be. Yeah, faces are faces are far too like morph. If morph literally has like a, almost a domino mask around his eyes in some panels. Yeah, he does. Um, which I'm pretty sure isn't the way morph has been depicted for most of the. Like I know he has like a little like shadowing around his eyes to um, give him a little, you know, to allow the artist to give him a little bit more um, what's the word, emotion. Right. But here, here it looks like a full-on domino mask. Oh yeah, it looks like he could be one of Batman's uh, little little friends. <laughs> like I'm literally, I'm literally going through, like I'm I'm flipping through the rest of this book now just to see if it is just, and it is just a, like it usually it's heavy black above the eye. To make it look like an eyebrow and eyeshadow, mm-hmm. but here it's like the whole eye, like it's been punched in the eyes oh, yeah. several times, um, and it's quite distracting. As as always, um, Yuko and uh, Sasquatch get maybe two two lines to themselves. If that. I know it's not about, I know it's not about them, but like they might as well not. The team might as well be four people strong. Um, I mean, even Cal barely says anything in this issue. And and the previous issue, I think he was, like, having an existential crisis of, like, should I even be an X-Men anymore kind of a thing. And, and here he's like, whatever, I'm just on the mission in the background. I know it's more of a morph story. But, um, right. I know, just... When the art works, like, the, 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 the last sequence, it really works. Like, it's really emotive. You really get to see how morph feels and... Like there's a lot of decent panel choicing, um, but it is very sort of the panel layouts are very run of the mill. Yeah, it feels like the story feels very like even uh, Winnick's dialogue just isn't here at all. Even if it's supposed to be not very good, um, like not very good comedy, like it's supposed to be taking the piss out of those type of shows. It still just feels a bit flat. Oh constantly. yeah, yeah. It generally feels because the last issue was so long. Or felt very long to get to where it was, and this one's like boom done. It's like it feels like um, someone somewhere was like, "This can't be three issues. We can't have three issues of Mojo." <laughs> well, to be to be you know, uh, I don't know. To be fair, but to be honest, I was happy we we're done because I think you mean oh, yeah. and, and Jason as well are just like Mojo. We we've had enough Mojo, and this feels like the same Mojo story. Like, oh, he captured some more people, and he's going to use them for TV stuff, and then they escape. Like it's the only story they ever tell with this guy, and I'm really quite, you know, done with all of this. I don't need this anymore. Yep, it is it is just bland as ball balls. To be it just it it feels even worse. <laughs> I it's want that like... phrasing. That's going to be the name of the episode: bland as balls. Just so yeah. you know. It best be. <laughs> it's, it's not the yeah, it just feels like one of those sort of. I hate saying things that feel half-assed when people have obviously put time and effort into making them. It generally feels like one of the issues where it's just like, mm, we're done, we're done, we're finished. I'd finish this, you know what I mean? Just get it done. It's like TJ, uh, from the looks of it, from the last issue, made it sound like she'd been tortured for ages. Right. And like, from this issue, she made it tortured for ages, and then she's like, oh, you're new, done. Three pages, done. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad it's over. It wasn't. It's very much middle tier, mid mid to low tier exiles. Yeah. You know, you you. Yeah. I think story wise, and I mean, it has its nice moments. I I agree. I like the the fight scenes with Morph and uh, just going to town on Mojo, sort of filter my feelings through his actions on that that scene. That was kind of fun. Um, and uh, the the poignant moment with you know we've already kind of beaten to death here at the end is is really lovely. Uh, but the first half just it's it's kind of a slog to get through and then and then they they like flip the switch and suddenly it's over uh, but the artwork wise you know out of the books we read today this is probably the i don't know the second best art maybe the i don't know it's hard to it's it's between this and generation x let's put it that way um, um talking about slugs to get through um i have this will obviously cue in view viewers we don't have viewers i'm not mojo listeners to do how I feel about the next book, but it took me almost half an hour to read Excalibur. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's actual breaks. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Let's not let's not delve into that any more than we need to. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, 
you know, I, I feel like the story for, for Exiles was okay, as you said, sort of mid-tier, middle of the road. The artwork was, was fine, except for all the heavy shadowing and the sort of bland colors. But it was maybe like a little, not quite, if, if it were going like one is the worst and five is the best and three is the middle of the road, I'd put this a little bit above a three, like a three-five, just for its some of its nice little moments here and there. And, you know, we can, we've had some wonky artwork for, uh, for Exiles, and I wouldn't call any of this wonky. It's just maybe someone put a little bit of uh, heavy hand into, into thinking here that is a little disappointing. But all in all, it's, 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 it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. As far as <laughs> well, uh, Bland is Balls moving on over to Excalibur number 18. Uh, what part of the time cross uh, time caper is this? I don't know. It doesn't say on the cover. But on the cover, we have weird, flat, sort of. Uh, I mentioned to Dan right before we started recording, but like fake speed racer, old 70s anime style, I guess. Uh, inspired artwork happening on the front. Uh, we I assume it's supposed to be toys, right? Or something. I'm sorry? I assume they're supposed to be like toys or something. Oh, this feels, especially with the car in the background of this cover and sort of the theme of Jamie Braddock just like driving in a race perpetually feels very Speed Racer-ish to me. Because like, obviously the stuff in the background and they're ripping through paper, mm -hmm. the wrapping paper maybe? Whatever, it just, <laughs> I'll be honest I'll be honest with you, if this was issue one's cover, I would have never touched it. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't mind... Like Excalibur is the book where they should do these wacky ideas, but this feels like someone didn't actually study the the source work they're they're mimicking here. It's like from memory. Oh yeah, Speed Racer is like this, so we'll just draw it. What the hell off the hip? And none of this looks good at all. Uh, I mean, I don't know if the insides are any better. And and the weird thing about the insides is we'll have panels that'll look like regular, you know, late '80s comic books, and then panels that'll look like this. And I don't know what's happening. It's just, just, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Alrighty, well, let's, uh, let's, let's jump in past this uh, horrible cover to space uh, with Phoenix and lots of dialogue. And oh boy, if, if Claremont isn't just someone let him off the collar and he just wrote everything he ever wanted to in this book. Um, and we get to yeah, see... This... Go ahead, Dan, if you, if you have something to add. Like... This feels like if the last couple of issues he was a little bit more um, there was a lot of words but he was a little bit more what's the word restrained because mm -hmm. he's probably working on something else. It feels like he's had a break from the other X Men events and now he's allowed to do what he wants or he's decided to do a little bit more and it is not pleasant to read mm -mm. at all. Uh, you know, fair fair warning. Halfway through this book, I kind of stopped reading all the words because it I otherwise it never would have gotten through. Uh, just sort of cursory reading at the the second half in terms of dialogue here, but um, we we go from space and Phoenix to Phoenix in some room and some electricity's going around her and and she, there's Megan and they're they're tied together in some way and the issue is presented by Stan Lee with the writer Chris Claremont guest penciler Dennis Jensen uh, guest inkers uh, Dan Adkins and Co. Okay. Like, uh, an army of other people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, letter is Jade Moid. Um, colorists with a plural S is Mike Rockwitz and Brad Vanketa. And uh, yeah, this is this is why this is uh, a mess because they just I think maybe it was just vacation time in the office and they're like, all right, who uh, who has no more vacation days left? You got to write this book and, and draw this book. So that's what happened, and it's. It's oh my goodness. So uh, we jump into just a bunch of colors and nonsense on the screen as uh, Phoenix and Megan connected and, and fly away and it causes the, the trailer on to go into all kinds of crazy trajectory and they're going to crash and Nightcrawler's flying and everyone's flying and you know I was to step step back for a second I was I was live tweeting yesterday as I was reading this. And someone jumped in, and I, I'm sorry, if I forgot your, your handle here, but he mentioned that, like, uh, this artist's rendering of non-characters, like the train and, and the cars, etc., in this book, looks fine. But when he gets to, like, people, especially their faces, 
It's like he's never seen a face before. <laughs> I mean, look at Captain Britain in the bottom uh, right corner of this first page or second page. <laughs> Who is <Stop> this? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so they they all they're, they're going to crash, and as they're crashing, uh, we see that um, the evil and we just found out Omega level mutant. Don't forget uh, from the Hickman books. Uh, the uh, the other the Braddock sibling, Jamie Braddock, is, has been racing in his red racing car in the, in the desert uh, when this train uh-huh. almost crashes into him and Megan flies out and using his awesome skills, he's able to catch her with his, his like 1985 uh, Porsche Lamborghini here. And he's just like the coolest guy in school. And Does when... this mean they're in their own reality? We're in a, is this we're... the right... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Is this... The, is this... Because what confused me was like, are they home then? Because Jamie's here and he seems to know what's going on. He's pulling all the strings of reality. Yeah, I don't. I'm not certain. They kind of hint at that, or maybe, you know, we had the issue before where uh, he was being used, and he was, you know, pulling the strings, and maybe his his consciousness is sort of branched out into other other alternate universes where he's able to just live life that way as well. I don't know. I also don't understand why the color of the front of the train, the engine itself, has changed from silver to black. Oh, the of an eye. It, I mean, the coloring is all over in this issue. You see Jamie Braddock, his first image, he's in the car, and he's all brown. Like, everything on him is brown. His colors, his hair is brown. The next page, he's in a green shirt, and his face is, like, dark gray. And then when he catches Megan, he's in a brown shirt, and he's back to being a white dude. So I don't... <laughs> they just like threw colors at the page. None of this looks thought out at all. You know what I mean? It's just like I, I have a bucket of paint and I just threw it at the wall and that's what we went with. I'll let you. I'll let you go through this. I'd say Spectre. <laughs> it, kind of, it is so. It generally is like the longest book in existence. <laughs> all right. Well, jump in if you feel like there's something you wanna. You want to complain about because I'm just going to be complaining otherwise. Right. So my main complaint then, I'll jump in straight now. All is, right. Um, we're about to like talk about um, this whole thing that I assume it's linked to last issue where Megan helped Rachel like reform and restart with the consciousness of the planet. Mm-hmm. So I assume like they're they're linked, but Claremont sort of plays it like an actual mystery. I'm like, it's not really a mystery Mystery when it's like, you've literally told us why it's happened last issue. It's not a mystery. You're just, I feel like you're just treading water on this. And then they just keep doing this sort of like, oh, she's tranced out. It's okay because she's practically naked now. And then she's talking about herself saying that she's like, she has tough hair for a tough gal. And I'm like, who is writing this? Mm. Like, <laughs> it's not very. Part of me wonders if, if Ellen Davis was like working on other other parts of the story and they just needed filler so he's like ah oh, whatever they're just on this other planet and we'll get some fill in artists to, to write this while davis sort of finishes up the story maybe maybe that's maybe the only explanation otherwise i mean it, it's like everyone took the the week off and just um you know let a bunch of monkeys in a room right make this issue it's just a mess. Mm. Speaking of messes, uh, as this train is collapsing, Captain Britain does another dumb thing. So very in character, uh, he further breaks their only mode of transportation through like the multiverse because he's upset at his brother for for saving his girlfriend, which is a weird thing to be uh, angry about. Um, and just goes flying after him, and then. Uh, we get some pages that are definitely drawn by someone else because we're in a different art style that's like 1960s uh, newspaper comic strippy, if you know what I mean. You yeah, went... and the face on the bottom uh, left corner of Rachel is the most... It will give me nightmares. It gives me nightmares. It almost <laughs> like... looks like people in the 70s who were like heavily on drugs would be depicted this yes. way. Very much so. She also has webbed fingers if you look on the next page. Oh, God. Um, anyway so she's out of it and she's about she's walking out of the train wreck and there's like perpetual like speed racer racing happening in the desert in this world so as she's walking she's about to be 
hits Nightcrawler, realizes this, goes to teleport to her and teleport away, but he can't because he has no more power left. So he he's just like stuck there uh, until um, Lockheed uh, flies in from behind and knocks them out of the way. And he, I don't know, Lockheed is like all in red here again. I don't, it's just more weird coloring that makes no sense to me. Um, I think, I also think there's a, a slight, so on the bottom panel, on the bottom panel, he's like sort of red to you. Right. In my issue, he's actually his normal color, and this is the because re- I have the reprint, the um, <clears throat> epic collection, mm-hmm. which was printed last year. Hmm. So I think I think they've recolored some things because yours will be a scan, won't it? Most likely, it's a scan. Yeah. Yeah, mine was, yeah, mine was reprinted last year, so they probably changed the colors on certain things, fixed a few bits and bobs. Mm-hmm. Saying that, it still looks like garbage. Oh, this it, issue. But, and I want to point out, it's been sort of Nightcrawler's character to dress dress up for things, uh, but his pajamas here are like uncoordinated and, and sloppy. It doesn't feel, and I know it's like a nitpick, but it, it it's part of the reason this this issue stands out. It's that the the artist didn't pay attention to what was happening in the book. Maybe they didn't have the time, but it's just like these are the characters. Draw them however you want. Uh, we're just doing this dumb thing. And so, Nightcrawler's in these these like dollar store pajamas here. I don't, I don't, I don't like. Yeah, it doesn't feel like Cat would wear them. I think we've already seen his like super chic, like, like nightwear when he was talking to Megan earlier in the. In I feel the like it was it was like high collared and like low V, like down to his belly button. It was like super sexy yeah. looking. And here it's just no. Um, um, I generally feel that. Um, Another thing that I want to point out is that um, every third panel, I feel like the art rotates. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it just changes from page to page so quickly that it's like giving me whiplash. Oh yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. Well, after they they don't get run over, we get we go back into the locomotive, I guess. It kind of looks like they're in a hotel room now as well. It's it's not really clear, but they're watching TV and they see that Jamie Braddock is like the star of this weekly racing show that's just always going on, and Megan's in his car, sort of hypnotic and in, in following, and uh, we see that Rachel's knocked out, and of course Nightcrawler, who was the doctor for the X Men for a while, has uh, been playing doctor here and is giving uh, Rachel some fluids uh, via an IV, so. Hooray for that continuity, I guess. Uh, we flip another page, and we have flipped art styles again into, I don't know, something crazy and trippy. I don't know what's happening. Like, <laughs> it's almost, I don't know, this is some kind of weird experiment that's been played on the stand to see if we can survive through this this issue. But, yeah, I feel uh, like this... Go ahead. Yeah, I feel like this is the worst it's going to be. <laughs> So Kitty's like sulking outside and she can't keep her stuff from phasing and then she finds this old wreck of a, a, a car and she's like, hey, we need a car. So Widget eats it up and it's a new car. And we realize that this car was the uh, Captain Britain's car from this reality. Uh, so they were like racing against each other. So this also plays into the Speed Racer thing where Speed Racer and Racer X and they were secretly brothers who were always racing against each other and one mysteriously died in an accident blah 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 so it's it's just I, but it's really sloppily done um but they get this car and nightcrawler and and kitty are like oh i guess we use the car so she gets in the car and she drives and then this page i don't know what page number this is but where she drives by captain britain there are two panels at the very top and i have no idea what's happening with these colors right so like i assume it's the sun but the sun is also an X-ray. It like sort of shows this her skeleton on the second panel. I don't get what's going on. No. Um. It doesn't. Like I, I get it that it's supposed to be weird and trippy, but I feel like it was just like whatever. <laughs> just yeah. do whatever. You know the other issues were weird and trippy, and that they were like the concepts were that way, but it was all like thematic. So we had like the space pirate stuff, and it was different, but it all fit together in a story in its own way. This issue is trippy, and it's like this other world, but none of the pages fit together. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, especially in the second. <laughs> yes, because uh, Kitty driving this car. She drives by Captain Britain, and he's like walking. She's like, "Why are you walking?" And he says, "Well, I saw my brother, and he took away my powers, so now I'm just walking." Okay. Uh, so she gets in the car, and they go riding around, and we slowly more and more devolve into like this like fake old anime style of of drawing, and uh, these like desert like apocalyptic police people start chasing them, shooting them with missiles. It's really wacky and wonky and disjointed and the faces devolve into like weirder and weirder caricatures here as we, we move along. Until we get to the, the panel with Kitty going, that's not fair. And I, it doesn't, it's like a whole other, <laughs> I don't know where we've devolved into, but she's like melted into some other person. Yep. And then we have a panel of Megan, which is just horrific um, on the other page. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, the, the, we we see that that um, the evil Braddock brother has arrived uh, with Megan, and they're in a very different art style. As they're walking in, and he's being adored, and um, you can see as they're walking around a very different art style of his brother Captain Britain on the screen. And I'm I, I'm really wondering how they they fit this puzzle pieces together to make this this ma- master class in, in artwork. Um, it's it just boggles my mind. But let, let's continue on. Let's not spend too much more time on this. Uh, we we cut back to Nightcrawler, who's like working on the locomotive, and and uh, Rachel, who's still sort of freaking out, and she's morphing back into other people again, and then she's changed into Megan, and um, unfortunately, uh, Jamie and. Megan are having dinner and Megan is is morphing into other people so Jamie can understand that hey these people are the same I'm gonna use my strings of reality to pull things around um, and he reaches through the mirror and pulls out Megan and whatever and then suddenly a, the police attack him and then Kitty and and Captain Britain attack and things explode and it's just colors and visual nonsense and then there's a monster and then there's fire and and people start melting because that's what you happens when you pull their reality strings and everyone just melts off the page until i mean i'm just like flying by here because it's just a visual disaster they just melt and then people get hit and they melt and everyone's melting because jamie braddock can control all of reality until at the end jamie braddock uh takes uh our our dragon pet uh and our widget pet and just like whistles and walks away kitty's just falling off a cliff nightcrawler who knows megan is maybe dead captain britain's all upset <laughs> and then it's like next madripoor knights and i just thought oh god we have to go through another issue of this um when i got to to the end here like please no i don't need please i hope the next issue has our regular scheduled artists because i can't handle this anymore nope <laughs> not to destroy your life but no, no. I, I like this, this the second half of this book I don't want to go through again that's why I just I flew flew through it because it, it it's just nonsense on the page it's a different eye style together but it's not at least it's not the ones that you've just read I think it's a different person altogether yep, yep. Yeah. Um, well all I'm going to say is it took me almost half an hour to read because not only is it like a visual because visually it I get what they're trying to do, like, mm-hmm. the world is supposed to be inspired by a certain aesthetic, so they're devolving into that aesthetic the more they go, with Brian, um, Brian Jamie sort of pulling the strings of reality to change things up um, here and there, mm-hmm. but at the same time I'm like, there's wacky and it works, and then there's like, wacky and it fails, and this feels like just not a failure. It feels like Clement's like, oh, I've got this it's called the cross time caper and it's going to be like 20 issues long whatever <laughs> but um about 10 of those issues are going to be basically pointless yeah and to test the patience and limits of my readership like it's it's really experimental if you think about it, like what he's doing here as a comic book sure and sometimes sometimes like an experimental album there's some songs that just are not there for you um 
sometimes there are. And I think this is just one of those issues where he went too far in one direction and the art team isn't Alan Davis. So exactly. That, that's the thing. It's this, They've got like eight people to f- work on this weird idea he came up with, which could totally uh, work if we had, you know, our regular, you know, Davis and, and uh, Glenn on here. Uh, or, yeah. if, or if we had someone more recent like Rodriguez working on this from um, uh, Exiles or what's the new book he's on? Uh, the uh, History of the Marvel Universe. Universe. Yeah. This is an issue, a concept that I feel like would work to his art style. Someone expressive and crazy and weird. But I, I, I don't know if these like eight people were up to the task of, so of we have doing quite this. Traditionalists, like yeah. very traditional books, and then it's like default. I feel like it's just like a, a, you know, when you get an issue and it's just a few people that they're just trying to try out. Yeah, on, it could be that. Feels like, feels like that to me. But my biggest problem is that with Alan Davis away, Chris Claremont can play, and yeah. my lord, fill every panel with too much dialogue. Oh yes, too many words. I don't care about people who are like you get so much more words. In the past, I was like, that's not a good thing. No, no. <laughs> you want to pay for quality, not quantity, every time. <laughs> uh, like, you know what I mean? And it just, he just, he's just saying things for the sake of it, feels like, half the time in that issue. That yes. We just... But yes, there you go. I didn't like it. No, this is probably the worst uh, Excalibur issue we've read. Yes. Way worse than that ex-babies thing we read with Jason. This is the worst thing. This was probably half as long and took me twice as, as long to read it. Yeah, it is just a disaster. Yeah, I mean, I lo- looking forward to the next issue, not like I'm looking forward, but like looking into the future. Uh, Marvel Unlimited says that uh, the penciler is Rick Leonardi with inkers Al Milgram and Terry Austin, which... Uh, colorist also is Brad Vancata, who I guess was the colorist on on this this issue. It, it sounds familiar, but that sounds something more uh, palatable than what we had here. So maybe they tie it up in a a fashion that we might enjoy better. Fingers crossed. Yeah, but otherwise, I'm just like I'm done with this story. I can skip the next issue and and just get back to Alan Davis. When is he coming back? He comes back later. <laughs> not, I can't remember exactly when, but it's definitely not by the end of right. So let me have a look, very quickly. Um, so what I have in my hand, the epic collection, uh, goes up to issue thirty, and we're on issue. Our next issue is nineteen. Nineteen. He don't come back. <laughs> he don't come back for a while. There is one issue with him, and um, because that's his art style. So I can. He comes back in maybe twenty four. Okay. Uh, I'd say actually no. That's two. That's two. Is I'm going to say he comes back at twenty three. For how um, many issues? Just one issue. For two so far. Um, because the other the other issue. Uh, yeah. Let's just say he comes back in twenty three, and we just have to deal with filling artists until twenty three. Well, at least at least next time uh, we have. Leonardi coming in, so that might be that might be all right. I love I love how you're like, oh god, really? Welcome to Excalibur. <laughs> the days where Alan Davis vanished for a little bit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's un- unfortunate. Like I was prepared, and we haven't gotten to that point really yet. But I, I like before we started getting into Generation X, I was prepared for Bacalo to leave at some point. Like, but I was not. After, I don't know, what, 15 issues of awesome Alan Davis, I was not prepared for him to disappear. And it is a shock to the system. He just come back after the after a long spell and becomes the actual writer and right. um, penciler. So. Yeah, I think in like the 40s-ish, he does like 15 issues all on his own, something like that. Yep, and then it sort of moves hands again. Mm-hmm. Um, and moves hands again and again. But anyway, um... Yeah, we'll get to that when we get to that, but it's just frustrating to to have you know the first however many issues of our or episodes of our, our podcast here excalibur was the gold standard it was constant and dependable and it's it's sort of devolving into a grab bag of well it might be okay or it might be the weirdest dumbest thing we we're gonna read yeah. 
Well, let's move on to Generation X, Dan, because I feel like that's going to be a better issue. So, Generation X um, has a different artist today. We have a guest artist um, in Roger Cruz, but we have Scott Lovedell as the writer. Mark Wickenham is the inker. We have uh, Steve Butcheletto and Electric Curon as the colorers. Richard Starkins and Comic Craft as the lettering. So I think mostly everything's the same. Mm-hmm. Roger Cruz. And I know for a fact that Roger Cruz's art later on, uh, sort of early 2000s, completely changes from this style hmm. um, to something a little bit more. I, I, I quite like his stuff. And he does quite a lot of like the Academy X Kids stuff, mm-hmm. um, if I remember correctly. But anyway, we have a front cover by uh, Bacalo. Um, and it's lovely. Though I think the colouring is very digital. So some of it seems a bit odd to me, moving from like simple, right. to normal colouring to digital. But we have um, uh, cinch, cinch, sink. Sorry. Um, Old habits die hard. It's all right. Sink uh, and skin with Artie and Leech, um, and they're all too well. They're all too to make something. Mm-hmm. We have. Um, I just love the fact that. Leech is serving lemonade next to a rabbit, and um, yeah, Bacalo has to have his random like animals in in the background, you know. Um, I really like it. It's really bright. I generally do love like how like stern the two Gen Xers are, but Artie and Leech are just like having fun. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a lovely cover. Um, it's very nice, and we start with um, a pony-tailed uh, banshee holding a woman's arm in the rain where we can see every random pearl-like raindrop around her. And this actually is a pearl necklace and or a pearl a bracelet and therefore doing the whole Batman thing. It's very bizarre. Because um, I'm sure water doesn't work like that. But anyway. <laughs> um, we have in a castle, because this is always a castle, um... Sean's basically failed. A woman falls to her death. He's recounting a time where he was an Interpol agent and he was trying to kill the psychotic uh, Russian evil mutant that no one knows who he is because he always keeps going away and he shoots a gun at him and everything. And then Emma in her most um, Emma outfit. Yes. You know, when I was live tweeting, that was something I mentioned. It was like, Emma is... She's she's the character I'm... I'm okay with dressing this way because she does it consciously to her own advantage. You know what I mean? So her showing up this way, yeah, that's her. That's what she would do. But she's also so Sailor Moon in that her arms and legs are the longest things that could ever exist connected to her tiny Um, little torso. Later, Sean has the longest legs I've ever seen any human being ever. In his short shorts? In his short shots. Um, he's painted on short shots. Yeah. Yes. So Emma appears to him and is complaining that he's having this nightmare and she's just in it because of his fault, because it's his fault. And um, they have a little discussion and there's a lot of recap dialogue in this, which I think is really heavy-handed exposition. It's almost as if they think that you haven't read the last issue. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a jump, it's like I don't know if this, this issue was advertised as like a jumping on point or something. Mm-hmm. But like it makes it feel like um, it's some sort of jumping on point because everyone is reiterating the fact that uh, the girl dormitory was destroyed. Therefore, the girls have moved into Emma's house, which I didn't even know she had a house mm. on the school grounds. Um, so they moved into Emma's house, and now Emma and Sean are in Sean's house. And because they're too close to each other, she's picking up his crazier dreams. Um, and she's all like, I can totally help you. And then he's like, no, it's, I, I keep it to myself. And then she basically flings her um, quilt at him and just walks off naked. Yeah. And then Sean's like, how am I supposed to get, get back to bed after that? But she obviously does that on purpose, right? She's using oh, yeah, her sexuality at him. And I, I love that she's able to do that. And it totally works. It flusters him in a way that he's not comfortable. Yeah, it even makes his um, face even uglier than the artist is already... Um, made it so that's impressive there are Um, panels here like you mentioned uglier there's a a terrible panel where we're looking sort of over the shoulder of emma at at sean and he's an ugly face but there are other panels other pages where he looks sort of 
mid to late nineties stylized muscle man, uh, like where he's in the castle, and they don't look. I mean, I wouldn't say they're the greatest looking things, but they don't look terrible. Um, I didn't know um, Jono had um, red pupils. Um, I'm pretty sure he has normal eyes, but the colorist decided no. Um, so we 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 have Jono outside brooding. The thing he does best. And but, then, I'm sorry, um, Dan. Before we get into that, what did you think of the whole? You know, they've been sort of building this relationship between uh, Banshee and, and Emma for for a little bit here and there in the issues. What what do you think of of where they are here and so the dream he's you know Banshee's experiencing and how how they come together or sort of are fighting in these first few few pages here. It feels. Um, it reminds me of like the whole like will they won't they romance the whole book mm-hmm. and um i just like the fact that she just winds him around her little finger yeah. and then he knows that's happening but and she's like pushing at this like because banshee's often depicted as kind of a prude right um in this so i, I just like the back and forth where especially later where he's a bit wittier towards her mm-hmm. um but i like the fact that she completely takes him um off guard this entire like midsection but then he later on as we as we see he gets his own back um so it's kind of a nice like to and fro it feels very much like two people who have a lot of sexual tension yeah um yeah and i don't know it's it's sexual tension that i don't know if they need to like uh, maybe the creators at this point were envisioning the both of them getting together it's it's very tropey but in my head uh, it feels like sexual tension like control of the group tension that doesn't necessarily have to lead to them just like jumping in bed it just feels yeah. it, it feels like uh just feels a little bit more natural and I, I like the interplay back and forth yeah it's quite nice which moves us to our next couple um mm. with Jono ripping off his his mask and i quite like how like disgusting his like lower jaw is here but i still don't understand why his eyes are red like, I'm pretty sure he has normal eyes. <laughs> it's really bothering me. And um, what I don't like is <clears throat> when Bacalo's doing it, our kids aren't walking around like Emma Frost. Yeah. Um, yeah. But here, like, Paige is extremely, even with the baggy t shirt, she's extremely sexualized. Yeah. <clears throat> and their conversation's not particularly great. Like, um, we find out that Chambers basically taken the fall for it, for what happened keeping uh pages secret as it were mm-hmm. um and they're hitting on rocky times and and you know what i only just noticed that in the very last panel of page with her t-shirt she's actually wearing shorty short short them yes yes which is just even more inappropriate <laughs> then we move over to i suppose it's supposed to be 14 year old ju- jubilation lee but yeah, that is i Definitely call this out when I was live tweeting the, the read because this is someone. It's like a thirty-five-year-old quote-unquote body double who just jumped in for this issue because it's that's not Julie. It kind of just that that um, the fact that they have pink leggings or pink trout shorts. Uh-huh. Everyone's wearing shorts, are like painted on, and there's that sort of. It's just yeah, it's too much. It really yeah. is too much. It's like it leans into the worst type of cheesecake. Yes. Oh. Um, it kind of just disgusts me slightly. Anyway, <laughs> moving on from that. Um, Jubilee's kind of a just a utter bitch from her first appearance in this issue to like the end. Mm-hmm. Like she's, she's snooping on Paige. And then because M's not um, M's like reading, and she's not playing ball. Jubilee decides to like snatch the pieces of paper and rips them in half, and then finds out they're all pictures. And Paige is like, how, like these could be like a keepsake from her childhood, right? Um, and so M flies off in being quite rightly upset, and Jimmy's like, should just get over it, essentially. And um, but the pictures are the second time, the second time that the writers have started to build up some sort of mystery around Monet, right? With like her seemingly spaced out in New York. Um, which they put down to autism, and now there's the the, the color the coloring in pictures, and then um, <clears throat> we move over to the sort of happier portion of of the issue, which is um, 
skin turns up to the biodome with or the danger grow with um some nails and a hammer and uh sinks there and with penance and Artie and Leech and they're all talking well the only two that can talk are talking about building a, building them a treehouse because right. Artie and Leech and Penance are using the biodome as like a home. So they're just happy. Everyone's doing um pitching in. Um Artie's holograms are getting better apparently and like Everett's just being a really nice guy. And obviously Skin's doing his usual um it's all good but I have to always put something down because that's that's kind of his character. Like he always is a bit snarky and a little like sort of mm-hmm. negative. Then we um. I before we it. jump away here, I, I want to just talk about this like kind of full full like double page spread here of when uh, Skin walks in and, and Sink is there to greet him, and I love that Penance is in the background, sort of like peeking, seeing what everyone's doing, and it feels yeah. it feels like the artist tried to be like. Uh, Bacalo-esque here in the way that there's, there's a good bit of detail and uh, you know people are in there you got to like look for for all the little pieces that are that are happening here I kind of I like this page but I've, I have a question on, on uh, Leech he you know the previous issue we read uh, Emma was captured and she couldn't use her powers because he was awake but here you know people are just using their powers like skins using his powers to help lift lift the, the kid up to the the treehouse here do we is he in control? I, I I thought that it was like when he's around, people can't use their powers. Feels like here he's in control. Maybe it's like a fret thing where he feels threatened. It just turns on. No, oh, maybe because Moreau, Moreau could use her powers next to him. Hmm. Um, right. Right. So it's kind of like maybe he can direct it at. Hmm. I don't. I don't have a lot of experience with the character, so I, you know this is just sort of for my edification. That's alright. But anyway, we jump to I. Island where um, it's very rainy and stormy because apparently that's Ireland and an old woman goes into a bar to find a phone because she has no phone home. (laughs) Then we jump to Gateway who's just meditating and then um, pictures fall on his face and we find out that Monet is Monet is his um, sort of uh, student and. He's her mentor, and they talk to each other, and he silences her before she can talk more, keeping more mystery to the um, reader. Which I will tell you one thing, spoilers, um, I won't tell you what the mystery ends up being, but it is not what Scott Lobdell right. intended it to be. Right. At all. They made the change, yeah. Um, he left before they could answer it. And oh. that was the one thing he was annoyed about, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get to that when we get to that. But, you know, exactly. there's this page of, of just the, the broken up panels of, of Gateway meditating. And I, I really like this, this, this layout here. It's just really nice and quiet. And the, the images, or rather the, uh, the torn up coloring book flying across his face sort of tells a nice little picture here. I, I like this page. Yeah, I, I really like it as well, to be honest. Um, I think it's got like a nice like sense to it. I kind of like the fact that... Um, I, I quite like their interaction as well, to be honest, even though he didn't speak. Right. <laughs> and then we have um, what I was talking about before with Sean and Emma, and they're talking about what's happening with Monet and uh, Gateway, but they're also like sort of spying backwards and forwards. Sean basically is wearing boxer shorts, the tightest boxer shorts you'll ever see. Um, yeah. And then there's that ridiculous panel where his legs are just insane. <laughs> like... I just don't, I don't see, I don't know. Yeah. And then, um, but there's a nice moment of like Emma confessing to having to, to kick Leech in order to escape last time and how that sort of like haunting her a little bit. And, and Banshee knew, but he was waiting for Emma to, to tell him on, on her own. And it's a nice kind of like bonding and, and growing moment. I really appreciated this. Yeah, it was nice to actually have a, like the character work and stuff is fine. It's the yeah. art that's kind of distracting. I mean, there. Um, and then before oh. we continue, I mean, even I mean, panels right next to each other. We've got this this wonky faced, barrel chested banshee sort of consoling Emma from behind, and then right next to him is a fairly decent, just sort of up up close image of Emma, and it, yeah. it's it's uh, it's very distracting <laughs> to go from like, hey, this. Oh wait, hold on a second. Oh, we're back again. Oh no, we're not back again. Exactly. And then um, 
we have Jubilee um, saying that there's someone on the phone for Banshee. Banshee goes, the, the old lady talks about the fact that Cassidy Keep has vanished. And then um, as meta as this book has been, we've got uh, Jubilee saying, yay, road trip, as it ends with, um, it's like, where in the world is Cassidy? Castle Cassidy. And, um, like, I generally think Sean should wear more appropriate um, shorts. Oh, around the kids? <laughs> his, 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 um, his package is just there for everyone to see oh, yeah. in, that, in that panel. And his his and, short uh, shorts have like slits on the side that go kind of yeah. No need. Why do they have slits on the side? Like unless he's just going back from go go dancing somewhere. There's no need for any of this. But anyway, but I I do yeah. like Jubilee breaking the fourth wall. She they do this every once in a while. That like the final page of the final two pages where they'll they'll talk directly to the reader. But uh, that was a nice nice little moment. I thought. Yeah, I think story-wise, it's not too bad. I do think there's some dialogue that's a bit too much like previously on Generation X. Right. Um, which is a bit too heavy-handed here and there. But out of all three books, this has the punchiest script. There's a bit more oh, dialogue, yeah. like a bit more word, words to page. It's not like Claremont levels, but... Oh, no. It's got... But there's like a lot of like character work. It's very much a slow, sedate, calm before the storm character moment that people enjoy in Xbooks. Yeah, I appreciated that part of it. Even though... I, mean, I think, Go ahead. I, f- I just think the art's a bit too cheesecake for that kind of issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it make, yeah. makes no sense for it to be that intense. Yeah. There are... I mean, we, we even skip past the moment where uh, M is looking down a gateway and she's like in... Uh, in a, a men's dress shirt that's only got a couple of buttons buttoned and she's got like a matching colored pair of shorts underneath that don't really cover anything it's it's like uh it's not physically possible for a woman to fall out of her shorts i think but she's kind of falling out of her shorts if you know what i mean yeah i found that really weird as well yeah like, i was not even happening it's <laughs> it's frustrating because we we talk a lot about how bacalo doesn't sexualize the kids like they can be pretty and and have like you know i don't want to uh, this might be controversial but you know people are born with a sexual piece of them so even teenagers are discovering that and so they 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 work on it they flaunt it they, there's a, a part of that to to them but bacalo never like says hey uh husk is just gonna have her tits out for the whole issue you know what i mean yeah, the, yeah, he at least has some sort of decency. They might look but, pretty or, or like try try to dress like adults, but it never comes off as as the way that Emma is dressing in this issue. No, but we'll see. <laughs> Fair fun. It'll get better. Hmm. Well, next issue, it looks like uh, uh, we've got a Jeff Loeb is helping to write, interestingly, and penciler is Roger Cruz. Uh, with uh, Bacalo, of course, doing the cover, which looks super awesome, of course. It's a Bacalo cover. But uh, what did you think overall, Dan, in this issue? Which is, where, would you, where would you place this in comparison to other Generation X issues? Um, Script-wise, it's, kind of it's kind of up there as a decent-ish one. I think it's like a mid-tier. The art sort of drags it down a little bit. I think when I read it when I was younger, I probably didn't... I just, I probably didn't notice anything other than well right. the art's changed, right? Um, and like so, I've just probably it'd probably be an issue where I'd really enjoy the the relationship bits and then be like, um, okay, it's finished now. <laughs> I don't think I'd go back to it often. Right. Well, yeah, I I think I kind of agree with you. It's um, it's I I like uh, the Xbox when they they take a breather between missions and just have the characters interacting and. Moving, you know, have character moments and relationships progress. It's it's kind of nice, uh, but we when we, we we talked almost ad nauseum about the, the wonky artwork in this this book. I wouldn't say it's as disturbing and and troublesome to get through as Excalibur, but there are moments uh, that make this uh, less than 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 the previous issues. Um, so it's been kind of a, a weird, a weird grouping to to pick through, Dan. Uh, 
we don't normally talk about what was the best and what was the worst, but well, what do you think was the best issue we read this 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 episode? I, you know, I'm kind of leaning towards maybe Exiles or maybe. And then I, I'm like, well, but then Generation X had some nice character moments. I don't. What's your take? I don't think there was. I don't think there was a specifically best issue for me. There was definitely a worst issue. And oh yes. <laughs> but um, I don't think there was like a. I don't think either of them are strong enough to like get ahead of each other. Right. But I think like one was good in character work. The other was better in art. Um, I don't know. I think I think they're both so one of the mills that it's kind of like mm. yeah unfortunately very much so anyway well that was our three issues for for this this episode um next you could probably catch us on the patreon episode where we're going to be uh viewing and i mean we're not going to be viewing while we record but we're going to view and then talk about uh the first uh, x-men movie from is it what 1999 2000 Around there? 2000. Yeah, it's 2000. With I think. All the, the X-Men in their black leather and people turning into puddles and and uh, all that sort no, of stuff. No, that happened. I forgot that happened. Yep, it, it's a thing that happens. So you can check that on our, our Patreon page. But normally, Dan, where, where, where can people find us? Normally, you can find us at Excalibros1 on Twitter, which we can talk to us on there for, or look out for everything we're looking for reviewing um and if you type in excalibur uh, we're the first thing that comes up on google so that's on our um podbean.com forward slash excalibur's go itunes and everywhere else you can think of right so yeah um you know i, I mentioned it a couple times during recording but I, I did live quote unquote live tweet while while reading these issues yesterday and uh please feel free to, to comment back i know a couple people did you know give me some shout outs Made some comments, but I'd love to, to know your thoughts about the uh, panels and pages that I, I pointed out there. So uh, we're always looking for more fan interaction. And uh, it's been, even though the issues were kind of mixed, uh, Dan, it's always lovely to talk about these books with you. Yeah, it's to be fair. Um, next up, we're doing, we're, 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 we're taking over the podcast that goes snicked as uh, Jason is, is uh, dealing with some family issues. So we're, we're st- stepping in. Uh, to uh, talk about House of X and Powers of X. So you'll probably, this, this, this episode you'll listen to now will probably be out just before that comes out. So uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, we'll see you all next time. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye.